If you feel like sometimes it is hard to show up and market your business publicly on social media, you are not alone, especially if you are an introvert. So today we are talking to the go-to for ambitious entrepreneurs that also identify as introverts, and we are going to dive into exactly what it takes to create an evergreen marketing ecosystem that saves you time and keeps you energized for introvert-friendly marketing. You're listening to the Freedom Found Podcast, an audio community for freedom-driven entrepreneurs wanting to build and scale an impactful online business that allows you to spend more time with your toes in the sand than your fingers on the keyboard. I'm your host, Crystal Church. I'm a copywriter and consultant, borderless entrepreneur, and wannabe dog mom. On this podcast, we'll talk all things online business, marketing, strategy, mindset, health, travel, and what it's really like to be a borderless entrepreneur. Freedom Found is all about equipping you with insight and actionable tips to help you build your business around your life so you can spend more time exploring new cities, hanging with your family, working on that new business project, or quite frankly, however the hell you'd like. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Freedom Found podcast with our wonderful guest, Emma Louise Parks. And I'm so excited to talk to her today because she's bringing a lens in to marketing and business that we haven't actually gone further into that I'd like to discuss. So Emma Louise is a business strategist and mindset coach for ambitious introverts, empaths, and highly sensitive entrepreneurs and host of the Ambitious Introvert Podcast. She works with entrepreneurs to help them grow and scale successful, sustainable online businesses. Welcome to Freedom Found. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. I'm thrilled to chat with you. Ah, yay. Well, um, I really am so interested before we dive into all the goodness of today's topic to hear a little bit more about your story because, and for those of you listening, Emma Louise and I have had the chance to sit down and talk together on several different occasions over the last few months. And I absolutely adore her, but I actually realize I don't know anything about how you ended up where you are. So can you enlighten the listeners and myself on your story? Absolutely. So it's a bit of a twisty one, but I started off a career in aviation. I was in aviation for 23 years. Okay. And wow. Sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> not expecting so different. that. So different. And then it gets twistier because 17 of those years, I was an air traffic controller. So I oh. worked in the airspace above London, keeping the skies safe and you know making sure that everyone got where they were going safely. So busiest, most complex airspace in the world. I did that, sat behind a screen for 17 years. And a part of that role was mentoring new controllers. So I got sent away on a course to learn how to instruct and how to coach people. And what I found really fascinating, I've always found people really fascinating and really interesting. So these new controllers would come out of training school. They would do like an 18-month training course. They'd all passed it. They've all got the same knowledge, same skills at the same level. And about 50% of them would then go on and get their license and get a job. And 50% of them would fail. And I was like, why is this? I couldn't understand why. And it, so much of it came down to mindset. And I didn't really know that was a thing, but I started to see that the trainees that were like, oh, when I'm qualified, I'm going to, you know, buy a house and buy a car and take this vacation versus the ones that went, oh, if, if I pass, because I'm not really sure if I'm going to pass, guess which ones passed? 
the ones that were so confident. And so I just got really interested in coaching, in language. I did my life coach certification. I did NLP certification and I started doing life coaching on the side and then got to about 2018. And I was like, I really want to take this business full time. So I came into the online space early 2019 as a coach and everything went wrong. (laughs) Everything went wrong for me. So I thought I've got all this experience. I've been coaching for 10 years, but I knew nothing about business and I knew nothing about marketing. And I didn't realize that I was an introvert and that I needed to protect my energy in a different way. I didn't know anything about social media. So I found myself, yeah, really starting from the bottom and it was quite the experience. Yeah, I I mean, I think so many of our listeners can relate to that because it's glorified, right? Starting your business, getting in the quote-unquote online space. And it's not only until you're like waist deep or further that you realize, well, wait a second, I'm a little bit out of my depth or my element. Totally. I mean, I started social media accounts for the business mm-hmm. and I'd never had social media <laughs> But I think I tried Facebook when it very first came out for like two weeks. And I went, I don't like this. It's overwhelming and and closed it down. And so I was 39 years old, opening a Facebook account going, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I have no clue what's going on here. So the learning curve, like for me was huge. It was Mm. absolutely huge. I had no clue. And even that in and of itself, that's when I started to realize that I was more introverted because People on, you know, they seem to be on Instagram all day and they were sharing all of these things. And I would spend, you know, 10 minutes on there and I was exhausted. I was like, okay, I really need to figure out how to do this in a way that serves my energy because otherwise I'm just not going to cope. Oh yeah. I hear that all the time, especially just from a time drain perspective of not even realizing that you're giving your energy there until, you know, you're at the end of the day and you're thinking, oh, wow, I I see my screen time report and this is how much time I've been online. And all I feel is like the drain and the time suck and the energy suck from it. So what did you do to grow both your mindset around how to use that in a way that works for you as an introvert. And then also just to learn the skills that you needed to grow a business via social media. So I could have really focused on like, I hate social media. This is really hard. This is, you know, really tiring, but I realized that that mindset wasn't particularly going to help me get where I wanted to be. So the reframe for me was it's actually a gift because it's free and I get to reach my ideal clients all over the world for free. And that is actually what spurred me on. I realized that I could grow, you know, a nice little business in person at home, or I could literally have the world as my oyster. And I chose the world. So that really kept me positive about it and to understand the benefits of it. In terms of actually learning how to do it, I probably flailed around for about 18 months, not having much of a clue and trying to do too much and then burning out and not posting for two months, you know, going through that that whole cycle. And the thing for me was having a plan. And I think when we start a business, we can think, oh, it's all freedom and flow and, you know, all of these great things. But I realized that freedom and flow to me meant I wouldn't post for two months. And that was not good, obviously, for my audience. So it was when I actually sat down and went, I'm going to make a plan. And it wasn't a difficult plan. You know, it was very basic, but when I committed to, I'm going to post these types of posts X number of times a week and stick with that. And then when that became so natural, when that was just 
not even a thing anymore, then I added in some stories. And then when that became natural, then I was like, I could cross post this on Facebook. And, you know, it grew and it grew and it grew. And now, obviously, I have a podcast, I have a blog, I have a Facebook group, I have a three times a week newsletter, I have LinkedIn, I have Insta, all these things. And my clients will say, Oh, I don't know how you do so much. It's, aren't you exhausted? I said, No, because I started with simplest, most basic. And I've stacked on top of that over time. I think that that is just so poignant because it really is a layered approach, right? It's like, you don't need to master everything at one time. And even when I started my business, oh my gosh, if I had said to myself that I was going to have a podcast, you know, within a year and a half, I would be like, no, absolutely. I push that away. I do not want it. And it's funny because as you grow and as you evolve as a business owner, I think you evolve then as a marketer, like just naturally, because, you know, marketing is the catapult to bringing in sales. So I really found for me personally, a lot of the similar things that you're speaking to in terms of just layering in one step at a time, you don't have to master everything at once. And then slowly you can start to see that snowball of momentum roll once you have all of the pieces in place. And, you know, I actually really started to enjoy it. And now I really do like marketing, which I I never thought I would say. I know, it's crazy. And I get to tell my clients, like, it can be easy. Like, we can market in a way that feels good to you. It doesn't have to be exhausting. I think so many new entrepreneurs, you know, end up in programs or trainings where it's like, oh, send 100 cold DMs per day. And, you know, especially as an introvert, that is just going to be the most deplete and exhausting thing that you can do. It's just going to make you feel horrible. Yes. And you know, I want to touch on something that you said in a previous response about you chose the world. And I just think that is so beautiful that you had this moment where you could kind of just throw in the towel or say, okay, well, I'm going to, for lack of a better word, you know, play small Or no, actually, I can build this in a way that feels good to me and I can have everything, you know, I can have the world. So I think that's so, so beautiful. And I want to ask you as we dive a little bit further into this topic, this introvert-friendly marketing topic, what that really means to you. Like what does introvert-friendly marketing look like? So what I will say is it's a framework that I use and it's different for every single client. So none of my clients have the same business and marketing system because they are all individuals. So there are definitely elements of it that, you know, a lot of them have in place, but it's understanding them, their energy, their business, the platforms that it makes sense for them to be on, how their audience likes to consume content. We take all of this into account and then build something that is sustainable because that is the most important thing for it to be introvert friendly. It has to be sustainable. If we can do it for two weeks and then we're going to be exhausted and not be able to face opening our socials, that is not going to help grow our business. But if it can be this minimum that ticks over consistently, and when I say consistently, I don't mean constantly. It's not about being online three times a day, but it's about having this consistency and this cadence, which feels good to us, which we know we can do and which enables our audience to see us on a regular basis. Taking that sort of framework then, this individualized approach of making sure that it feels good to you, is there a way that you would have changed if you could go back into the past, the way that you started to layer in your different marketing 
avenues? Or do you feel like the way that you brought those pieces into existence actually was the exact right path for you? A little bit of both. I think it was the right path at the time because I felt fairly comfortable using Instagram. So that was my first mm-hmm. platform. I'm quite a visual person and you know, it felt very friendly. It didn't feel too threatening. I had joined a coaching group. A lot of the girls in that were like social media managers and things. So I was able to pick their brains and it and it felt comfortable. Facebook felt very threatening and uncomfortable to me. I think Facebook has this reputation of, you know, being full of middle-aged Karens complaining about things and, you know, just... I don't know, people starting threads and arguing with each other and all of this, which kind of put me off. But actually, Facebook was the second thing I layered in, but I used groups. So mm-hmm. it wasn't about connecting with people on their personal profiles or, you know, looking at their holiday pictures or what they eat for breakfast or anything. I realized that my people were actually hanging out in Facebook groups. So that's where I started to share my second well, the same content, but I started to repurpose it over there. So I think I could have done it either way because the audience reach in Facebook groups is phenomenal compared to, you know, my Instagram had maybe like 400 people on it at this stage. I was posting in three or four Facebook groups a day, which had, I don't know, a combined reach of maybe 40,000 people potentially. So actually I could have done it the other way, but also I'm happy with the way it turned out. Hmm, I love that. So then in thinking about this topic of like how we can create this evergreen marketing ecosystem that doesn't drain all of our time and energy, what would you say to somebody who's listening right now who maybe feels like either they haven't started because they are foreseeing a time and energy drain and so they're pushing that to the back burner or they've started and they're experienced some of that energy suck and really want to find a way to make marketing work for them. What's step one? So for anyone that hasn't started and they feel that impending doom of, oh, this is going to be exhausting. I'm going to hate this, which, you know, I totally felt. I would say, think about your one platform and think about how many times you can commit to posting each week. Like, don't even worry about the rest of it. Yeah, we can go into email lists and lead magnets and, you know, introverts like me tend to be 37 steps ahead and like see the big picture and then don't start because there are so many things to do. Actually, if we just break it down straight away, let's market somewhere. Let's just put pieces of content on a platform where we're going to grow our audience and our ideal client is. So if you think, "Hmm, I can probably do four posts a week on LinkedIn, say, great. Then I would say commit to three. Like go less than what you think, because it's much easier to build your confidence and stay consistent at a lower level than to aim too high and then burn yourself out, not be able to keep up. You know, then we feel like we failed. We tell ourselves a story, of course, none of which is true. But I would always say go lower, do less than you think is possible, because then we have more chance of winning. Mm. And you know, the people that have started and they're feeling that burnout and they're feeling that exhaustion, it very likely is that your cadence is just wrong. You've just set the bar a little bit too high. So don't feel bad about taking that down a notch. Like, can you just remove something that gives you that breathing space and gives you that confidence to be like, okay, now I can easily do this rather than it feeling like a struggle every week. Yes. I think that's such an important point. And one of the things I always say to my clients is like, 
where are your revenue generating areas? Because a lot of the time, I think it's so easy for us to get sucked into thinking, this is my daily, weekly, or monthly task, so I have to do it. So you don't really question the fact that you're spending your time and energy on it. But if you can take a step back, have a bird's eye view, and then analyze, well, wait a second, is this bringing in revenue? Is this a needle mover? Is it helping to propel or nurture my audience in a different way, even if it's not you know related to revenue specifically? And if it's not, assess if it's actually the thing that you need to be spending your time doing. And maybe like you've said, we should take that off of our plate completely. A hundred percent because it's not be all and end all. Like marketing is huge for our business. It's what is going to bring in our audience. It's what's going to bring in clients. It's what's going to grow our business. It's what's going to make us sales. But there are other things as well. You know, we still need to be on form for serving our clients. We still need to be on form for recording podcasts or making connections or creating other stuff behind the scenes. Like we can't give all of our energy away to social media and then find ourselves not able to do anything else for the rest of the week. Mm, Absolutely. I think that that is a big takeaway is we cannot give all of our energy away to social media. I love the way that you summed that up yet. Somehow, I think the space makes you think that you need to be there. So how do you combat this feeling on Instagram, for example, of you need to be showing up 24-7, you need to be on, you need to be perfect, like all of these things that for anybody I think are stressful. And then if you're an introvert layer in that added piece of, of overwhelm that that can bring to your plate, how can we make Instagram a more livable option for us? So this is going to be a little bit unorthodox. <laughs> I love it. To what most marketing people are <laughs> going to tell you, but... I delete Instagram every weekend and delete. I delete like it. it is off I your delete phone. the app actually off my phone, completely oh, wow. delete it okay. over the weekend. And I also delete it most evenings and overnight. And you, every time you've deleted it, then the next Monday, you are reinstalling the app. You are logging yeah. in again. Correct. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Which might seem extreme, but... Our brains are so pre-programmed. We automatically go for things. How many times do you pick up your phone and click on Instagram? And it wasn't really a conscious thought. Yep. And and you're then holding your phone, then wondering, wait, what am I doing? I didn't actually intend to go on Instagram. Exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, is exactly what Instagram wants. Yes, they've done a good job. We have, they have done their job very well, but we have to be so mindful of our time and energy. And for me, Instagram is for business. So I do have that delineation, which is great. I know some people are maybe using the account for personal and to keep in touch with friends as well. That may be a little bit different, but for me, it's that energetic boundary of I'm going to delete it every evening and I'm going to delete it every weekend. And then I can't just glance at it. So Mm -hmm. at the weekends, I like to switch off from business. I mean, I love my business, but I also want to switch off from it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that if I happen to press Instagram and then I see, you know, someone's launch content or an ad for something because it puts me back in business mode. So it gets deleted with love (laughs) and then it comes back on a Monday, it comes back on Monday morning. And I have very simple regimen really for Instagram. I post three grid posts per week. And they are they are written the week before. Uh, they're mainly to do with the podcast that's airing. So it promotes the podcast for that week. And then I do a couple of stories each day. And my bare minimum is I share what I'm up to that day. Mm-hmm. And that that is that maintains, that keeps Instagram ticking over. It's, you know, I use it as a bit of a shop front. I don't do a ton of engagement on that. 
I have almost everyone muted. So I don't have a feed and I don't get stories come up. I'm very, basically very intentional. I go on there, Mm. I post, I leave. That's so, so powerful. I love this. Um, And Instagram will hate me, but (laughs) but that's what I do. Yeah, but good for you. I think that's amazing. Just the thought of deleting the app, I think isn't just deleting the app. It isn't just saying, I'm not going to use this now, but I feel like just listening to you that it's like you're telling yourself hey, I respect me more. I respect my time more, my boundaries more. It's like there's this this underlying message that you're sending to yourself that then, and correct me if I'm wrong, allows you to go into the rest of your evening or into your weekend with a certain mentality that you wouldn't have otherwise. Even if you're saying, I'm not going to open it and I'm going to keep it closed, it's completely different to delete it. Completely. It's just like closing the door or closing the laptop or, you know, blowing out a candle or something. It's symbolic more than, more than anything. And I know early in my business, I'm sure a lot of newer entrepreneurs will resonate with this. Like I worried a lot about what people would think about my content. And I had this, like, I wanted to keep checking. Has anyone liked it? Has anyone commented? Like all of those things. And that can really start to drive you a little bit mad if you are trying to enjoy your evening and you're like, oh, I wonder if anyone's commented on that post yet. By deleting it, it just doesn't matter. If that thought would enter my head, I'd be like, well, I guess I'll find out tomorrow. Yes. I love that. You know, one of the things I do as well is I completely go offline on the weekends too. And same as you're saying, I don't check if I posted something, what the results are, you know, I'll go on within 24 hours to reply to comments, but my intention is, oh, I want to reply to comments and make sure people are being um, engaged with. But I had a huge struggle in the first year of my business of making that switch and that transition from, oh, I need to see, did that post hit the mark? You know, am I getting the results that I wanted? Is it getting the reach? Is that real allowing me to then connect with that like new audience that I'm trying to target? Like, all of those pieces, I think you can collapse and put away when you start to let go and just say, you know, I'm doing my side of it. I'm doing what I need to do, whatever commitment you've made of that's three feed posts a week. And then I can step away. But it's like, you have to make that commitment to yourself to step away. I think there's such an immediacy in a lot of marketing online where we think we're going to post a post and make $10,000 from one mm-hmm. post and all of this. And I'm not saying that's not possible, but I think it's portrayed in a little bit of an unrealistic way a lot of the time. And like results are going to be instant and everything's going to happen straight away. And you know, that can be really damaging. It can be really da- damaging to our confidence or we can feel like we're behind or, or we're failing. And actually when we give ourselves that space to receive and that space to say, I'm here for the long term. That I think that was the biggest flip for me. It's like my marketing isn't here to sign me a client today. All of this is building up. All of this is small steps because I want a business for the next 10, 15 years. So yes. it doesn't matter if no one likes or comments on that post today. What matters is that these posts keep dripping out consistently over time and people enjoy them. They get to know, like, and trust me and eventually, hopefully 
would like to work with me. Yes. Yes. And you bring up a really good point too, which is it's not about the vanity metrics, right? It doesn't matter if somebody doesn't like that post right now, because you actually still don't know who's watching, who's reading, who's taking those pieces to heart and then carrying them, you know, through into, you know, inquiring with you later on. And one of the things that I personally find is some of my posts that get the least amount of engagement, the least amount of likes, comments, et cetera, are the ones that people will send me a private message and say, oh, that's interesting. You know, I think I want to do a copy project with the studio, X, Y, and Z inquiry. It is not the posts that are getting 200, 300, et cetera, plus likes and engagement. Those ones I see very little from, which is very interesting. You know, so I think that that lends to the power of staying true to your messaging and staying true to who you are and not worrying about those other pieces. Because if you are putting out content that's supportive and nurturing of your ideal client and how you can help them, they are going to receive that. And that will, like you said, build the momentum for down the line, something to come back to you. And that's something about understanding your ideal client as well, because my ideal client obviously is an introvert and a more empathic, sensitive introvert like myself. So I really went deep and was like, how do I interact on social media? Well, a lot of the times I don't, I just lurk. Like I'm not liking, you know, I'm not scrolling through a feed, liking everything and commenting because that's just not my energy. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not how I interact. And, you know, my best friend is a huge extrovert and that's what she does. She can spend all day doing that, you know, for her business and in the DMs with people and chatting and, you know, making new connections. And then She's full of energy in the evening. If I did that, I'd be like flat on the floor. It wouldn't be good for my <laughs> for my life. But I had to look and say like, okay, this is what I do. So if I put a post out that's maybe a bit more, I'm not going to say controversial, but if I'm putting a post out and say like, are oh, you not making enough sales? Then my audience are not going to respond, go, yeah, this is me. Yeah, like my business is terrible. Mm-hmm. They, they, it, we're just not going to do mm-hmm. that. We might read it and go, oh, yeah, this really resonates. Like you say, we might send a private message, but just think about your audience. Like the metrics actually don't mean anything if your audience are a little bit more private or if you are talking about topics that maybe could be a little bit embarrassing for them to yeah. admit to in public. You know, I see these ladder posts in Facebook groups sometimes. It's like, what's your biggest struggle in business? Like drop <laughs> below. And I just can't think of anything <laughs> No, publicly showing that it works for some people because you have tons of people responding, but, um, but, you know, understanding your audience and and how they interact with content and also how they like to consume content, which is Mm -hmm. exactly why I started a podcast because I adore podcasts and most introverts adore a podcast. So I'm like, this makes so much sense. People will listen much more than they will read things on social media. Yes, that's so true. And you just get a different a different environment together where you can sit for a little yeah. bit longer and, you know, have this more intimate setting. I'd love it so much. I did not think I would. I used to, like when I was a teacher, I had the biggest fear of public speaking. Like it was horrible. I hated it. I, w- I thought I was really terrible at it. And they would always make us do different presentations in front of families, you know, back to school night, like you know, um, for conferences and all sorts of events. And I always ended up being at the front of the room with people. And I swore that I would never get into any sort of speaking. And then when I had the opportunity to do the podcast, I was like, oh, actually, I think that I could get on board with that because it is in a way that suits me and you get to bring your own style into it and you get to have your own connections in a more personal setting. So I love the podcast route, but 
I actually find it really interesting that as an introvert, you like went to that space first. So was the podcast route something that you had any resistance around? Because even though it is intimate when you're here, I think the idea of it for me was like, it was like this, this bigger thing than it actually seemed to be. So the interesting thing with the podcast was I, when I rebranded to introverts and um, I was doing just generic kind of life and mindset coaching before, but when I went all in with introverts and business coaching, I just started working with a new coach and we sat down on our first session and she was like, tell me about your business. And I was like, I'm coach for ambitious introverts. And she's like, I love that. I'm an introvert. I was like, this is a great start. And she went, do you have a podcast? I was like, no. And she's like, introverts love a podcast and you're really articulate. You should get a podcast. And I was like, okay. And then she went, what are you going to call it? And I went, the ambitious introvert podcast. (laughs) And she went perfect. And that was literally the first two minutes of, you know, our coaching relationship. And I, at that point I had clients who were still on retainer from my mindset coaching and I hadn't signed any introvert clients, but I was building the podcast in Mm -hmm. the meantime. So it was a really interesting I didn't have resistance, but I, it felt kind of surreal because I was like, oh, I'm starting this podcast, but I don't have clients. Like by the time it it was released, I I did. Um, So it was kind of interesting in that way, but I felt that it played to my strengths and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed connecting with people one-on-one. So like you say, it's a very different energy where it's people that I've invited in. It's people that yes. I want to have a conversation with and that I get to almost steer the conversation to, to pull mm-hmm. out what's valuable to people like me for them to listen to. And um, where I drew the line was any kind of production or editing and mm-hmm. actually I always laugh because that was my first hire in my business. Most people hire like a VA or a social media manager. I hired a podcast editor because I went, I can't do this. This is not my zone of genius whatsoever. Um, But no, surprisingly little resistance. And I really loved, I loved, you know, getting the artwork together. Um, I loved just, yeah, sourcing the guests and thinking about the format and finding the music and, and all of that. I found it a really nourishing experience and it's, other than client calls, it's probably my favorite thing still that I do in my business. Mm, same. Every week when I sit down and do recordings, I'm like, yes, podcast time. It just seems like a special, like for me, a break in, in everything else that I do. Yeah. Mm, so, so good. Now, there was another question that I wanted to ask you sort of unrelated to this, but I wanted to dive into the concept of networking for business and for marketing, because I feel like as introverts, that might be something, even for me, where I don't really identify strictly as an, an introvert, but maybe an extroverted introvert. Whereas if I spend a lot of time and energy with people, then I feel like I need to go back into my sort of cave for you know a little while by myself. And what would you recommend to our listeners in terms of networking for their business if they feel like they're a little introverted? So I have had clients that have used networking and I think the key is the balance. So not going all in, not doing too much, because I think mm-hmm. when we are ambitious and we're trying to build our business, the, um, you know, the temptation there is to go in and like give it, give it your all. And then two weeks later be like, I've just burnt myself out and I'm just pe- yeah. peopled out as I, as I would say. What I have found is a lot of my clients' businesses grow from referrals and recommendations. Mm-hmm. My own business is probably 40% referrals, recommendations. Mm-hmm. And this is because I believe in building relationships. Yes. So 
what I always say to clients is if you can get on a call with someone, like don't think about networking as this big thing where it's there's like 20 people in a room and it's very performative, you know, and you stand up and give your elevator pitch. Like networking in and of itself can be just people that you connect with on social media that you like their vibe. You can reach out and say, would you like to have a chat? Like, I'm not trying to sell you anything. It's just, I really like what you do and I'd like to connect with you especially if those people have similar audience or they've got complimentary services. So, you know, I had a client who's a health coach and she wants to sell her services and she started to reach out to personal trainers because this went really well because they're doing the exercise, you know, they need someone to recommend Mm -hmm. for the nutrition. So not only do they have things in common and they have that passion, but when they have a crossover audience, it just means that that personal trainer is more likely to go, oh yeah, you know, look up so-and-so, she's really great with nutrition. And so it's understanding that maybe it's a little bit slower than, you know, a lot of the more bro markety ways I'm going to say of like, you know, DM a hundred people a day and see who responds. But when you build those genuine connections and you have those genuine relationships, people will mention you to other people. You will be at the front of people's minds. Um, And that is so, so, so powerful because as I said, like we want our businesses to be sustainable and we want them to be here long-term. It's not all about, post that post and, you know, how many likes did it get that day? Let's look at like, what if I make a connection with this person? And in a year's time, someone becomes a client that found me through them. Like that is worth its weight in gold. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and so much of our business as well is based off of referrals and people both who have worked with us and who haven't, but have had some other connection and they'll still pass your name along. There's so much power in that and relationships. You've given us so many great things to think about today. I want to ask you my favorite last question, which is we all have this dream living inside of us to live out our own version of freedom, whatever that means. And so many of us start our businesses because we want to bring that into our day-to-day reality. So what advice do you have for entrepreneurs listening that are on a mission to incorporate more freedom into their lives? I would say really understand what freedom means to you because we can be presented this, you know, picture perfect vision of freedom. Like when I first came into the online space, I would have thought that freedom meant that you have to live in Bali and be mm. on the beach and and all of that. But freedom is such a personal thing. And to be able to be truly free and have that true freedom, you need to understand what it means to you. And, you know, when I started my business, it was very popular um, to be like, start with why the Simon Sinek book and like, what's your why? And all these people were going, oh, I want to impact like a million women all over the world or, you know, all these big things. And to me, I was like, I just want to wake up every morning without an alarm clock because I've done shift work for the last 23 years. (laughs) I've like, On the 20th of the month, I used to get my roster for the next month. So until the 20th of the month, I never knew what I was doing the next month. I couldn't make plans. Like I was, my time was literally at the mercy of a roster and freedom to me is not having to set an alarm clock in the morning unless, you know, I'm going on a flight, which, you know, is freedom in and of itself. So it doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't mean that you're a digital nomad and you, you know, you're going off and traveling the world and, and all of that. Freedom can be that you finish work at three o'clock to pick your kids up from school. Freedom can yes. be getting up at what whatever time you like. Freedom can be choosing whether you work from the dining room or the office today. But be clear on what it means to you. That's the only way you're going to be able to cultivate it in a way that is meaningful. So incredibly beautiful. I love that so, so much. And thank you for everything that you've shared with us today. Can you please let us know how we can connect with you and stay in touch further? 
Yes. Well, I kept it simple. It's The Ambitious Introvert yeah. everywhere. So the website is theambitiousintrovert.com. Instagram is at ambitiousintrovert. And the podcast is The Ambitious Introvert Podcast. And I have a wonderful Facebook group called The Ambitious Introvert Network, which is great community of other introverts. It's really promo friendly, really highly engaged. Also happy to have lurkers, obviously. So um, I would love to connect with you in any of those places that feel good. Oh, thank you so, so much. It has been such a joy. You are so welcome. It's lovely to see you. Thank you so much for being a loyal Freedom Found podcast listener. And if you love this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would pass this on to a friend. This is how we can help support each other and get this message out to more women that might be waiting right now to hear a message just like this. So you can go and share this with your business best friend right now or head on over to leave us a five-star review. Your small gesture really does mean more than you know. Thank you so, so much. Love you lots and I'll catch you next time.